it, look, as far as the golf itself went, let's be honest, it wasn't thrilling because he he kind of he squeezed the life out of it, and the people that were trying to chase him, the big name guys couldn't do it, and then this Zalatoris guy in his first Masters played great, but it's just like I I have up in front of me, Ryan, the 19 leaderboard. All right, when Tiger won, so Tiger won, most incredible thing ever, but he didn't just win. Xander was second, Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, Tony Finau, who's always there, John Rahm, Ricky Fowler, Bubba Watson, Holter's in the mix, Justin Thomas, Phil Mickelson, Adam Scott, Jordan Spieth. These are all the people that were circling that Sunday. And you had people rinsing it in the water on 12, and you got Tiger, and you got, there were like 75 storylines. It felt like the end of one of those Marvel movies where every superhero shows up. They were all there. And then you compare that to yesterday, and it's like, okay, well, it wasn't quite the same thing. Um, but I mean, God bless, you know, the winner, he, he deserved it. He earned it. And we were in Augustus. So like, it was it's fine. It was good. It just wasn't what the last one in the spring was like. Great show as expected. My man Van Pelt is going to join us fresh off a uh, trip to Augusta. But we're not going to do all golf. We're going to do a bunch of other stuff and the NBA in 10 minutes or less. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode of the Ryan Rosilla Podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's French fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a french fry from McDonald's unless you're eating my french fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. NBA 10 minutes or less. We can start the clock now. The funny thing is the the game I wanted to watch Probably the most of, I don't know, the last few days was Philadelphia, New Orleans, which we're going to touch on here a little bit, but Denver, Boston. And I wasn't expecting to watch it from a Boston angle whatsoever. I wanted to see Denver um, up close. And I've been doing this a little bit more because, let's face it, the season's been a little tougher to figure out. Saturday night may be the single worst night of basketball in years um, when you look at the results and what was going on there. But with Sunday's game with Denver, I'm like, okay, I want to watch this team because let's do a Denver recap because this was a very heavy Denver angle going into it and still is after the fact, even though Boston won the game because I just still don't really know what to make of Boston other than it feels disappointing and it's going to continue to be disappointing. But Denver was 17-15 and at one point this season. Still can't defend uh, the Murray regression from where he was in the playoffs was real, but then he put together an incredible stretch. I think I the last time I had said, you know, he's just not quite the same. He had just started to turn it around again where he's putting together these these great stretches of games. We're not just talking about a couple games, month plus. And then um, Joker, who arguably is MVP because of all the different pieces that have fallen down in front of him, whether it's LeBron, Harden's momentum has stalled a bit. He could get that back and bead missing time and all that stuff. I mean, Jokic may win it by default here now because he 
just as the guy that's been around the entire time. And there's some statistical stuff that backs it up that's incredible. And the team had been playing so well. So think about that. 17 and 15 to 34 and 18 going into the game against Boston. And they were winning throughout the entire game until a 31 to 3 run by Boston, where the announcers, Marlowe and Hastings, I like those guys, by the way, uh, they called it, quote, the worst stretch of the season. And it was. As I was watching it, I go, what? How bad is this? And then when they said 31 to 3, you go, did I actually just watch a 31 to 3 run by another team? Like, that's nuts because Boston had kind of sucked for these long stretches. I mean, overtime to beat Minnesota at home, you know, you beat the Knicks, okay, but that came down to the wire too. And Boston's a far more talented team. And you still kind of in this weird spot, you're like, eh, I'll probably lose this one too. I don't really know what Boston is other than Tatum going absolutely off and the youngest player now with 50 points for the Celtics in that T Wolves game. Uh, excuse me, Timberwolves. But, you know, for the most part, it's a Tatum thing or a Jalen game. The Rob Williams improvement's been nice, but Kemba's uh, a $35 million backup point card right now. And unfortunately for Boston, it feels like the most expensive guy in their team for four of the last five years has been the biggest problem or somebody that just isn't playing. So back to the Denver part of it, I'm not going to freak out because they blew this game. It was just ugly. It was awful. The bench was bad for Denver. And even though some of the roster stuff-wise with ben, at Denver's bench, you're like, okay, but they're fifth in scoring. They're fifth in bench scoring. There's times where I like P.J. Dozier. You know, with Gordon, you move everybody back a spot. But Jamal Murray hadn't played in his fourth straight game. So I'm not, even, I'm not even looking at Sunday's game as anything other than just, you know, just a really, really ugly Sunday afternoon where everything went bad and everything got away from him. Joker was pissed off in this one, too. It was pretty interesting. I actually think he was trying to get thrown out and get a second technical uh, later, and then they just benched him at the fourth minute mark because it didn't really matter anymore. Uh, the positive form has been Michael Porter Jr., who for the last couple months, 53% from three in March, 43% from three in April. That's with a one from 12 shooting day from three. He was one for 12. He had 20 yesterday against Boston, but he's one of 12 from three. Um, yeah, Michael Porter Jr., I mean, look, he can rebound, he can score, he's not going to pass, he's not going to get to the free throw line, but the shooting numbers were off the charts, and he was terrible yesterday. Um, Gordon, who's now played in eight games, actually has single digits in four of those eight games, and he's not really rebounding. So if you looked at the stats, you go, wait, has he been a big disappointment? But I think what it is is just that you can see this version of Gordon that's happening where he doesn't dribble, he's not initiating offense, he's figuring out how to play with all these guys. Uh, and this Denver team has, has really put it together here in the second half. And, and as, as I look at all these defensive stats, whether it's concerns about Brooklyn or concerns about Denver, I'm, you know, I'm almost to the point where, as I've touched on this a few times, I, I may rather have you just be kind of average defensively and amazing on offense. Uh, and then we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. That could be a big mistake. I'm not married to that statement, but it just feels like this is what the game is right now. Um, looking at the over 500 records, meaning what is your record against teams over 500? Uh, I'll pull this up quick. Denver is 15 and 11. Utah's 23 and 9. Phoenix is 18 and 7. The Clippers are 17 and 12. Lakers are below 500, 11, 14. But I don't really know what that means. I don't know what any of the Lakers stuff is going to mean here. Portland's 9 and 14. Dallas, 16 and 13. So that is not surprising to anybody that's been watching Portland this year. They play the better teams. I've always felt like the better teams can kind of get what they want when they need to late against Portland, where Dallas actually has a pretty good record than everybody else is below that. By the way, in the East, only two teams have a good record against teams 500 or above. Philly's 16 and 12. Brooklyn is 19 and 8. Everybody else is below 500 
in the East. I mean, and God, some of these, these records are terrible. Okay, so back to figuring this out because now when you look at the strength of schedule and what's happening here and you're trying to figure out, okay, like what does this mean? Because Denver's sitting there in the four spot, two games behind the Clippers. Uh, they could definitely get to the three. If you get out of that four or five spot, like I don't know necessarily what's going to happen here with the Lakers and getting guys back because it's still going to be some time. Um, you know, the Lakers aren't going to drop all the way to eight. That's ridiculous. I've, I've seen that brought up a few times. There's just no way. I don't, they're not going to lose six games in the standings here. But if you look at some of the strength of schedule stuff, it also helps you, you know, get a sense of like, is any of this misleading? So if you look at Utah, if we're going to do some strength of schedule here stuff and trying to figure out kind of where Denver can go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to all the strength of schedule stuff that's remaining here. Utah, to this point, has played either the hardest or fifth hardest schedule in the NBA so far. Depends on what you want to look at here. I have went through a couple different versions of sorting it, but Utah's played a hard schedule, okay? Well, they're two and a half up on Phoenix, and you're trying to figure out, all right, do I actually like Phoenix better than Utah? They beat him twice. I'm not going to do a recency bias, but I do like the Chris Paul against the Gobert thing uh, that I saw. At least I think that's what they're going to try to do. I trust Chris Paul right now at the end of the game as much as probably anybody in the league, certainly more than Donovan Mitchell, even though Mitchell's put up absurd numbers that we're going to get to in a little while here. But you know, Phoenix has had the 23rd hardest schedule. So should that tell us that Utah is actually that much better than them? Again, I'm not 100% sure. I'm just sharing this stuff with you. So the rest of the way for those seven teams in the West, Utah has the easiest schedule in the NBA remaining. 30th, all right? Because it's been front-loaded, it's been hard. The rest of the way, Utah has the easiest schedule. Does that mean they're going to be the one seed? I don't know. Denver's 17th. Um, the Clippers is 28th. Dallas is 29th. So Dallas is the second easiest schedule the rest of the way. So now you start looking at those teams bunch up going, okay, a lot of those teams actually don't have it that bad. But on the other side, the Lakers have the seventh toughest. Doesn't really mean anything because it's lineup related. And then they end up beating Brooklyn on Saturday. Anyway, Kyrie got tossed in that one. Uh, Phoenix has the sixth toughest and Portland has the third toughest schedule. So we'll see if that impacts any of this. But if you're a fan of either of those teams, you like being in one group more than the other. So that takes me to all-star scoring. Post all-star scoring right now. Steph leads the league at 31 a game on 50 and 41% shooting splits. By the way, his his offensive plus-minus, which again, plus-minus, not the entire story, but he is so far and away the best in the NBA this season on offensive plus-minus. It's a staggering number. He's at over 10. It's like 3.1 differential between him and the number two offensive plus-minus player in the league, Damian Lillard. The gap between Damian Lillard to go down three points that he's behind Steph is the difference between Dame at number number two and the next player that's that gap from him is 23rd in the league. That's how far Steph is away from everybody else, at least in this metric. So we know that part of it. Donovan Mitchell is second in scoring, and the shooting splits are actually really good, despite the fact that he can let it fly some nights because he lets the ego get involved. He's 29 a game, 47 and 39% splits. Why am I bringing this up? Because Zion's the most fun thing to watch in the NBA right now. His drives the hoop. I, I don't think this is ridiculous to say that it's kind of Kobe and Jordan-esque at this point. I'm not saying he's out of those guys. He's going to have to win games. He's going to have the very predictable turning timeline of any of our young stars where it's all roses and hugs and we love everybody and it's the best. And then you keep putting up all these numbers and your team's an eight seed and we're like, okay, does this guy suck? Um, and it you know, like it's happened to Giannis. It'll happen to Giannis again, but at least Giannis's team wins a ton of games um, and they're in the playoffs. So I don't know what's going to happen with Zion here. But in the meantime, in the present, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Ben Simmons couldn't guard Zion. Couldn't guard him. There's nothing you can do with him. I don't know if there's anything you can do with him right now. 
they put Thibel on him. They put Mike Scott on him. They brought Danny Green to try to pressure him three-quarter court because Zion's bringing the ball up, initiating the offense all the time, which everybody's finally caught on in seeing this. But Ben Simmons, who I'd probably give defensive player of the year to, could not guard Zion. They had no chance. And New Orleans won that game. And it was weird because it was also something else going on in that game where Steven Adams, you were like, oh, this is why you paid Steven Adams all this money because he was really good against Embiid. Embiid coming back from that injury. I don't know if you saw the early return of that knee brace. It looked like a third leg um, with him. Hmm? Phrasing. But he, I'm not going to worry about Embiid all that much right now. Philly lost that game. Not a big deal. But the Zion part of it and that he's absolutely unstoppable is incredible. So now as I say that, it's like, wait a minute, Rosillo, then why would you have Ben Simmons your defensive player of the year over Rudy Gobert, who defensive plus minus, he's off the charts. Um, there's also different defensive player ratings where Gobert is one and the gap is pretty significant. Simmons is one, uh, is four on, on some of those. There's another plus minus where Simmons is actually way behind Gobert. It's not even close. But I guess the difference would be for me, if I'm voting for defensive player of the year, do I want to vote for Gobert, who... If you go at him at the rim, it's stupid. Ironically, Boston, and I don't even know why I'm saying ironically anymore, but Boston seemed to be one of the few teams in a, in a Rudy matchup where I go, do you, are you guys not familiar with this guy? Do you not have the video game? Do you not know what this guy does? Because they were trying him at the rim, and guess what? It never worked. Where if Chris Paul or... Um, it was kind of funny to watch Sacramento do the opposite of what other teams do do. Sacramento pissed away a lead late in a matter of minutes. Nothing like the 17-point lead that they blew in, what, two minutes um, when they couldn't make any free throws months ago. That was one of the ugliest games I think I've ever seen in ending two. But Sacramento, you know, the difference between having grown-ups on the court and not having grown-ups, Sacramento, as much as I love their backcourt, not exactly grown-ups exposing different things where Chris Paul was like, hey, this is exactly what we're going to do and this is how we're going to run our offense. So the reason I bring all that up is that I just don't know I don't know if I would want to vote Defensive Player of the Year for the guy that it seems like other teams, when they're trying to get a bucket late, are actually scheming and setting screens to make sure that they can go at the Defensive Player of the Year and move him out. That may seem unfair. I don't really care. Those are just my observations. But on the other side of that, Simmons, even with that defense, is that defense actually going to prop him up enough to have people vote for him all NBA? Because that would seem to be excessive because he is still just an offensive piece in Doc's system where everybody does touch the basketball. But when decisions are actually being made about offense, Ben's just not really involved in a lot of those things. Um, but he does do some of the other stuff that's really good. But one of the 15 best players in the league, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. But I, I could see the momentum with Ben Simmons defensively and the way he's talked about. Um, I could see him getting votes for it. But if he is top 15, that would be weird. Okay, one final thought here, and that is, hey, is Rasilla going to talk about not liking Dwight Howard? Yeah, I am. Because in that game against Zion, Dwight goes up and throws him a shiver, a forearm shiver to the head area as Zion is taken off from the ground. You want to be tough. You want to be an intimidator. And I want some of these things, right? I want my team to fight and I want fighters. But there's a line and Dwight's crossed it in his own frustration of the demise of his own career. And that takes us to Pat Beverly's play against Chris Paul in the Phoenix game. Um, Beverly stuck his elbow out as Paul was bringing it up in transition. And that's when Clippers got Phoenix um, after Phoenix had beaten Utah. Nice win by the Clippers. Clippers keep putting together some of these nice wins here. They're, they're, not, they're not a whole thing right now. So I actually think it's been pretty impressive that they kept this thing going and not falling apart like some of the other teams, but they still have enough pieces to feel good about it. But Beverly throws a, an elbow into Paul 
Paul knows exactly what's going on. And it's not that Beverly did it. Okay, fine. Bad foul flag happens. It happens to a lot of guys. I respect the fact that Beverly comes from where he comes from. I remember watching him early in college in Houston thinking, hey, you know, one of the ones I got right. There's something here to him. It's always one of those difficult things. I remember having Draymond Green on set in person in Toronto where I said, you know, look, do you ever think some of your stuff complaining all the time, like you have to get the call, you have to have a conversation all the time. Do you think any of it can be curbed? Do you think any of it can be, you know, excessive at times? And this is considering what had happened after basically helping cost his team another NBA championship. And Draymond's like, what? No, he's like 70 million bucks, man. He's like, if I listen to what everybody said about me and all that stuff, second round pick and can't do this, can't do that and all this stuff. He's like, I'm me because of all these things. And you know what? He's right. I can respect it. It's hard to ask the one person to give you all the other stuff you like when their entire makeup, their entire DNA is is wired in such a way that all the good things happen and to, to say, just stop doing all the bad things. I think complaining to the refs all the time, it can be stopped. I actually think it can be. But for Beverly, who can't help himself, and it is out there and is is numerous, numerous times crossed the line from intimidator, tough guy, fighter, to I'm just going to be a dirty fucking player. Um, he goes right up to Jay Crowder with his hand up to then instigate with Jay Crowder. And Jay Crowder pushes him away like, what are you doing? Like Beverly fouls him, fouls Paul, puts his hand up, and then beelines it to get in Jay Crowder's face while he's sticking one up in the air the entire time. And you're like, oh, you're just actually just trying to be super annoying right now. And Crowder pushes him off. And then Beverly looks at him like, why are you touching me? And Crowder's like, what, what are you doing? So I don't know if it's going to get worse towards the end of this regular season. That's trying to piece it together here and limping towards the finish, but it's just at least something uh, worth paying attention to time. Kyle. 16 minutes. Yeah, I knew I was going to go a little bit longer on that one. But hey, you know what? It's not a guarantee. And it's still free. So, so you're good to go. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time, said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I didn't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today.
Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. He's probably one of the top 20 guys on the golf coverage, I would say, nationally. So we were we were lucky to crack that top 20. <laughs> Scott Van Bell joins us. <laughs> top 20-ish, you know. Yeah. Somewhere in there, just hoping to make the cut, play the weekend. Right. And I'm not even talking regional. I'm uh, talking regional and national. Thanks, so that's buddy. a lot of that's a lot of guys. Salute. Uh, out there. <laughs> How many is this for you? Uh, 97 was the first and I missed one or two maybe along the way. So I don't know. It's 20 something. It's a lot. It's I'm so effing old. I can't even process it. But you know, what's funny is, is on the broadcast, they were like Phil Mickelson's 29th. I was like, 29. I'm like, no way. Something's wrong. There's, there's things as you get older, there's little age tricks where you'll go, there's no way that's right. And then you're like, it's right. Yep. Sure. Well, somebody pointed out last week, they that the Tiger Woods, you know, have you ever in your life, the Vern Lundquist call where he shipped it up the hill and then it ran, and it went back in. It was 16 years ago. You're like, and you, you, if you just sit here right now and go like, if someone, if there's multiple choice and it said five years, eight years, nine years, 16 years, 16 would not be your guess, but that's what it was. So, I mean, and Augusta has that way of playing tricks on you when you've gone there, um, you know, as, as every year the way I have for, for so long. So it's, it's totally um, messes with your head. But it's, you know, especially in the springtime to get back there, there's, it's all the cliches, but you've seen it in person. You know, it, it's real. Like there's, it's not hyperbole when it comes to that place. It's that good. Before we get to Augusta and everything, I, I do think that there's needs to be some work done on the calendar because you know, credit to the Mayans and everybody who got involved, but there needs to be a different calendar that's handed out to you past a certain age, maybe like in five-year increments. I like where that. they go. Your calendar, like once you're over fifty, yeah. it's six months is a year. But it's just wait, just wait and see, see, because your your age starts with a four, and you're starting to feel that thing slide. But man, you get to be my age, and you start going to the hardware store for no reason, and shit just gets away from you. And the next thing you know, it's like wait. My kids in college. What I thought I, I thought we were going to, uh, I thought we were going to Lake Compounds. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, hey, I bought you this shirt, and it's like you know, it, it's it's a Pepe the Pig deal, and and you, your kids like, I have a car. Yeah, like, exactly. what are you what are you talking about? I don't want to wear this pig shirt anymore. Okay, all right. So look, uh, as I've said, and, and even not as a golf guy. Uh, of all the venues I've I've ever been to in sports, if you're just a sports fan, Augusta is one. I'd say LSU football on a Saturday and a heavyweight fight in Vegas. Um, if you're not interested in any of those things, try to find a way if you care about this kind of stuff to go because it's that amazing. So now that you know, with the odd schedule of last year and patrons back on the grounds, what was it like? It felt more. Uh, it felt more like it typically does. Just just even a few people enough people to make a, a cover somewhat of a hillside on uh, behind the tee on 12 or to, to, to roar when somebody did something good or to groan when Xander rinses it on 16. Like it, it felt closer to something familiar. And in some ways it, it's, it's, there's a, there's an analogy to be made of like, if you go to like a, a, a popular restaurant or in our younger days, the club and like it gets good and then it gets too good. And then there's too many people. And then it's like, well, it's almost too crowded. We need to have a bit more space. We need to get to the next tier of VIP, right? We always, you know, we always joke about, well, wait, no, no, like Jay-Z's up there in the balcony. We're just, we're down here 
in the middle of a mosh pit. How do we get to that second level where we've got a little more room? It felt like it's always exclusive. You always feel like you're thrilled you get to go. But then when there's what you realize when it's totally thinned out, that it's, oh, this is kind of nice to have space to be able to go to the merchandise center for the 12th time to buy bucket hats. And it's not, you know, so many people. Um, and, and so it was, it'll be great to get back to the full on everyone's there because there's an energy they provide. You've seen it, you've experienced it. Like it's, it's hard to describe it. Um, but just having anybody there was such a, such a help from November, which was really eerie, man. Walking around that place, no azaleas, it's November game day was there, you know, like it was yeah. so, it was like the last thing I did in November was, was go do game day. And it's like, they're getting ready to, it's like Alabama LSU. It was just, you can't process it, but they did their best to play it then. I'm glad they did. And now you're kind of back on this calendar. Thanks Mayans where we're back in April and it felt, you know, closer, closer. Okay. So Matsuyama runs away with it. And I, I look, I didn't know a ton about him. Um, I, I'm certainly casual when it comes to golf, but I was looking through it and getting ready to talk to you. And we're like, okay, well, he's had what four top five finishes in majors. Um, he seems to be a guy. Go ahead. No doubt. And he's won on he's won on big boy courses. Like he won at Firestone in Akron, which is which hosted World Golf Championship events. It's a big boy course that you know Tigers won there a ton. He's won a Memorial uh, Jack's tournament, another big boy Augusta inspired golf course, another place Tigers won a bunch. So like he's got wins. He was the low amateur a decade ago. He was a guy that everyone thought sure he could do this, but. You said you don't know a lot about him. I mean, I cover golf. I, I, I thought about this last night of, of a major champion who's been as good as he's been for as long as he's been. I know li- less about him than any player I can ever think of. And it's because, you know, with the language thing, I think he's like, like Ichiro. He understands the language if you ask him a question, but he's more comfortable speaking in Japanese, which I, I understand that. Um, but because he's very close to the vest, like th- when you saw him kind of pumping his fist at the end, I'm like, good. I'm glad that it hit him. You know, like I'm glad that there's emotion there because he never shows you any. But like just in terms of his profile, he was 25th in the world. So this is okay. This is what you're supposed to do if you're that. And this feels a little bit overdue in a sense because people kept waiting for him to break through. But what's wild is like over the course of me covering golf, I was going back. There was a guy named Shingo Mariyama who was this really. Uh, energetic, kind of uh, had a huge personality. He got to top 20 in the world. There was another guy named Shingo Katayama, the cat in the hat. He wore that cowboy hat. That was kind of his thing. He had some style and some flair. He got to top 30 in the world. Then there was another guy named Ryo Ishikawa, who was young, teenager, like super into fashion, spiky hair, kind of rock star. Yeah, I remember that guy. No one rooted for him. (laughs) Well, in Japan, he was going to be it. Didn't happen. And Hideki's the guy that was always the one this was going to happen at some point and now that it has it's like my guy andy north's like it's going to be worth a billion dollars now andy gets a little bit excited from time to time what does that mean you gotta rein him in andy come on back to reality and the shore over here but i asked david duvall he's like no yeah no he could be nine figures a year and here's what that means in japan it's almost impossible to wrap your head around how big a deal a player like um hideki is and how uh, the craze of golf, like in the non-COVID times, he's got like an entourage of 20 some odd media people that follow him every day. Just him. Like the rest of like Tiger, uh, we don't give a shit about Tiger. Where's, what's, what's our guy doing? And that's a lot of pressure. And so Andy was saying, man, like 
I can't imagine how much how much pressure is on his shoulders knowing what this would mean. No male Japanese player had ever won a major. And so that first swing on on the on the first hole, like he like he barely hit it on the club face. Like it's like sideways right. And we're like, oh God, here we go. And then he, you know, he gathers himself and he wins. But like off the course endorsements, um, I can't even fathom how many different ways there would be to market him. He might come out like at Kiowa for the PGA looking like um like Ricky Bobby and like with, with just like Wonder Bread logos on his, you know, on every inch of his body. And and if he does, you know, good for him. But uh, it, it, look, as far as the golf itself went, let's be honest, it wasn't thrilling because he, he kind of, he squeezed the life out of it. And the people that were trying to chase him, the big name guys couldn't do it. And then this Zalatoris guy in his first masters played great, but it's just like, I, I have up in front of me, Ryan, the 19 leaderboard, all right, when Tiger won. So Tiger won, most incredible thing ever. But he didn't just win. Xander was second. Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, Tony Finau, who's always there, John Rahm, Ricky Fowler, Bubba Watson, Holter's in the mix, Justin Thomas, Phil Mickelson, Adam Scott, Jordan Spieth. These are all the people that were circling that Sunday. And you had people rinsing it in the water on 12, and you got Tiger, and you got there were like 75 storylines. It felt like the end of one of those Marvel movies where every superhero shows up. They were all there. And then you compare that to yesterday and it's like, okay, well, it wasn't quite the same thing. Um, but I mean, God bless, you know, the winner. He, he deserved it. He earned it. And we were in Augustus. So like, it was it's fine. It was good. It just wasn't what the last one in the spring was like. It feels like you can't ever do a segment without asking about Tiger and knowing, yeah. you know, the accident not that far from my house up here and everything that was going on. And, you know, it, it appears to just be a completely unfortunate deal where maybe it was going a little too fast. And a lot it too could fast. have been yeah. it could have been way worse. Um, but considering that's part of the topic, like I remember when I was there and he wasn't playing, people were yeah. talking about him the entire time. So what was that like? It's so it's the same bit, you know, like there's there's majors with him and there's majors without him. And majors without him feel like majors without him. And, you know, the, the circumstances that surrounded this one made it feel different because you start thinking, well, I mean, none of us know what exactly the extent of his injuries are. And Tiger's not the kind of guy who's going to tweet out, yeah, my foot's all jacked up, man. I don't know. I don't know if this is ever going to work out. Like, you're just never going to hear it. It's just one day, who knows? I mean, a year from now, six months, a week, I don't know. If he can do it, maybe he'll turn up and you'll be like, oh, there he is. And he won't show off if, he, if he's not ready. But I don't think we're ever going to know um, until he tells us, like, okay, I can do it. Or as it turns out, no, what happened to my leg means I, I kind of can't. Like, it, there's so much mystery that he's, he's shrouded in. But, like, he's always going to be a topic. You know, you're, like Justin Thomas was a pre-tournament favorite. Rory's a pre-tournament favorite. They live in his neighborhood. And they both mentioned last week that they've been going over to his house just to kind of hang out which I take as a good sign. I mean, like he's able to kind of, I guess, get around where he lives to some degree. I don't know if it's Walker or what. I, again, I don't know. But just the fact that people, he's not like, stay away, stay away. It seems optimistic, but I'm just totally guessing here about that. But he's always going to be a topic until he says, I'm done or I can't. You're always going to wonder like, hey, can he come back and do it? And at some point, man, he's going to be as old as Jack when Jack won his last one, which was 46. And that's another thing where you messes with your mind. Like, how could he be that old? But he will be. Um, yeah, because when I was a kid, it was like he was 100. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, wait, he's he's I'm I'm the same age as him now. Hard to fathom, right? Uh, 
this isn't the best transition. And I, I do like to do these topics, you know, with somebody who like you that understands it so much better. So maybe people for that, that aren't as locked in, but you know, when you're watching Phil and you know, he, he missed the putt where he could have gone to, to a red number and he, and he's pissed, you know, and, yeah. and you're like, okay, you, you get it. And yet these guys are still the best. We can understand it in the team sports are always locked in and we're like, okay, that guy's slipping a little bit. He's getting older. I mean, other than LeBron and hockey players, it feels like age. And I guess I'd have to throw Brady in that group now, too. So we're seeing yeah. people extend the timeline longer than we ever could have imagined uh, growing up watching team sports. But when a golfer ages, especially with the technology that, you know, people are laughing like par fives don't really exist anymore. You know, like it doesn't, if you look at scoring averages on par five, it's like it says par five, but it's not really a par five anymore. And that's where guys make their money. But what happens to an older golfer? You know, you've been around it for so long when guys start to go like, this is when you know, like I can, I can understand the game. I can, I can hope that I can keep pace, but I just can't score four straight days because of age. That's the key right there. You said it, four straight days. Uh, and if you look at Fred Couples had a string there after he turned 50, it was nuts. Ryan, he had a string of like five straight years where he didn't just like, oh, hey, that's cool. Fred made some birdies. No, like he was in the last group. He's like, it's Saturday and Fred Couples is in like this first in the last group or the second to the last group. And then the issue is four days. Like that's a long way to go. And even for younger guys, look at Justin Rose. I mean, he's only 40. He had that great first day, could never put another really good round together. So I think, I think Phil's interesting in that and I, I made mention of this yesterday with um, our, my guy McQuaid, who you know, who's sort of my like my I don't even know what you call him. He's my my uh, consigliere. Uh, it, it looks after. He's all uh, he's like if fitting is is Herb Street's guy, McQuaid is your fitting. He's my there you go. He's my guy, and he's been my guy forever. We were just sitting in his office watching, and I'm like, you know what? Give credit to Phil. Like he and he made fun of himself. Like there's he sent out a picture from Wingfoot from like '06 when he was like you know, kind of a big squishy. And now he's on, you know, he's other, other side of 50 and he's like, give me the Jay Lindeberg lean fits, you know, <laughs> give, give me, give me the body armor. And you know, he looks, he looks really good and he's got massive swing speed, which gives you a chance to have the length to compete. And he, he was, he finished even, I mean, he had a putt on 18 to finish one under. He'll be able to compete particularly at Augusta for, for, for years. But can he, like, is he really going to be better than John Rahm for four days? John Rahm's in his 20s. Like, what are the odds? Really, they're stacked against you. So in his mind, he doesn't think that because you got to be competitively arrogant. And he is. But like the odds, like, it's just 72 holes a long way to go when you're competing with a bunch of 20-somes. Is there any truth to the rumor that Freddie Couples thought he was actually 38 when he was 50? I think, I think Fred is. It's not a rumor. I believe it's true. How, what was better than like getting a text in a break from couples? It was just like when we were doing radio. He was just out there bored out of his skull. Like he'd fire in regularly. Freddie wanted to, hey, ask Cristello, because he loves, he loves sports more than anybody. He's, he remains undefeated, that guy. He is his life undefeated. It was an unbelievable feeling because it was, it was constant. And it was always kind of funny with you because <laughs> yeah. you would get texts from, you know, some big names from your life in it. And like, I remember, I don't know who the golfer was who didn't like me or something. So I was, I was on fire about something and, and I think it, it wasn't Stuart sink, but it was somebody else. I think it was Curtis strange. It was like, what the fuck's wrong? Yeah. Like what the fuck's wrong with Rosillo today? And you're like, well, you know, don't, don't worry about it. But then Freddie would go ask Rosillo if he thinks the wizards can, can <laughs> get a top four seed this year. And I would just think it was, it was the funniest thing ever. What are they going to do with Blatch? 
and they get an asset <laughs> for Blatch. What do we think? He's great though. And then he's in like the thing about winning here. And I mean, if you're not a golf person, I get it. And if you haven't been there, I get it. You kind of roll your eyes, but the, you know, the idea that for the rest of your life, you get to turn up in the spring, go to that dinner on a Tuesday night, BS with the fellas and, um, and play that place. I mean, that's something you earn along with the jacket and the dough and all the rest. So I think, you know, there's a lot of things that make that place, um, pretty special to a lot of people. And that's, that's, if you're a player, that's the number one thing. I do love whenever you bring up any fashion, um, shout out to Jay Lindeberg and their, their styles. But when we would do the show and go over the dress shirts that you would buy, like there was a timeline of dress shirts that you would buy when you couldn't afford anything. And then you thought you could afford stuff. Yep. And then you'd be like, no, wait a minute. Now I'm buying these kinds of dress shirts. And then you're buying up all these dress shirts. And for you, it actually made sense. And then I was still dressing up the first few years of the show. And then p towards the end of it, they were lucky to get me in anything other than sweatpants and a t-shirt right? Um, because things had just loosened up a bit. And I was like, yeah, you know, this is kind of where I'm, I'm at now. I'm just going to go with the Roan stretchies and we're all set. <laughs> when you, when you broke down, when you worked your way up to Ike Bahar dress shirts and then post Ike Bahar what the next step is, yeah. that is still one of the funniest fucking things we've ever done. And I know no one else will care, but yeah. you had it mapped out. They were like, and this is when you start to get the Ike Bahars. The Bahars, maybe you can get the Joseph Aboods. Huh? Some nice earth tone Aboods. Get you that first olive uh, Joseph Abood. Throw a nice Ike Bahar in there with the with a little stripe, some Robert Talbot neckwear. Robert Talbot. Now we're talking. Now, now we're talking. So I had up. And then, then, you know, maybe you get to that. And of course, at ESPN, it's maybe not the, the next contract, but the one after the next contract. That's when you finally feel like, okay, now maybe we can go for some of the, uh, maybe we can get a little custom Xenia. Maybe we can go into that, step into that Brioni neck space. And now I've gotten into, I, I, I've stepped into some other Where stuff. are you now? I've stayed there. I've stayed there because Brioni. I've, yeah, we're, we're, Brioni's. Brioni's about you know that neck. I, their neck. The, the tie knot you can make with a Brioni is is maybe undefeated. But I'm pretty. I'm pretty Zenia loyal. Um, I don't. I don't are. need to go fancier than that. Uh, it's quite nice. I love it. Has a nice hand. That's that's some that's some term that it, like a tailor used with me, and I'm like, oh yeah. I don't know what the fuck a hand means. <laughs> I think it means it's nice fabric. I don't know. I just go that's yeah. Good. It's a really really good hand. No, I remember early on in the process, maybe before even you and I, like having a couple Ike Bahars in my hands at Marshalls and going, <laughs> going, you know what? I can't, I can't justify this. Nope. I it's, can't. It's like $73 or something. Yeah. Marshalls. I, I it might've been 42 and I was like, I just, you Probably. know what, Rye, maybe one day I'll get there. Okay. How you hitting them? You hitting them long and straight? This is always my favorite part of the interview. Whenever we'd ask the guest about their golf game, which no is idea. something that no idea when's the I, last time you played seriously played actual golf i haven't um i i when i was down in florida with the the fam and went out with the middle guy sam he loves to hit him played a couple holes with him um but like i don't remember the last time i, I showed up and either got in a cart or started walking on the first tee to the 18th green like I, I it it was a year it was last year sometime but i don't remember when i'm gonna fix that though because people will always ask me about your golf game. Just lie. Tell them I'm good. Tell them I'm good. But see, that's the thing that I, I think. Do you think golf or pickup basketball? What do more people think they're better at that they're not at than those two things? Skiing. 
Skiing? <laughs> no, Skiing's probably a good one, no, but I don't know. One, no, that's easier to lie about. You just, oh yeah, I was up on the moguls, back bowls at Vail. Nah, no, you weren't. But I have no way of ever, I'll never find out if that's true or not. That's the easiest one to lie about. Whereas pickup hoops, like you might find yourself in a game. And then if you're, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman making it rain <laughs> off the top of the backboard, it's like, Jesus Christ, man, <laughs> you've been lying to me my whole life. I think, and then golf's the other one too, that it probably, if you know somebody socially and you live in the same place, like you and I even, we even got out there at Womp. We got right? out there a few times. Swung a couple of times at it, but like, it's it's a sport where if you don't play it a lot, you're just not going to be good at it. I mean, you're you're not. It's too hard to do well. So, I don't want to do too much on on our golf outings in Connecticut, but I will never forget. There was a guy. <laughs> there was a guy who was just sort of in the mix. He was in the mix, and yep. he would come over. Twelve cores lights in, Kodiak. All over his face, upper deck on the tee, yeah, right? The guy, just, when a guy can't figure out if he's dipping in the top or the bottom deck, like you just yeah. basically he's eating chew. Like, yeah, right. He's he's <laughs> spitting into the core's light, but he's like, oh wait. And then yeah. he, he would like played a couple holes with us, and then every now and then I'd see him out and about. And then it was funny because like I ran into him when everything was like you know between the lines. He's like, what are you doing with your money? I was like, well. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, just so we can be speak frankly with one another. My first impression of you was you—you just kind of wandered into our group, twelve cores heavies into your day eating chew. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass on putting any mutual fund cash in your in your possession. I remember yeah, that he, he was pitching me on this mortgage fund. I was like, I don't know. You might know. Look, I have. I went to school with you. I know you. I know. I know exactly. I know exactly what we're talking about. But there's just certain moments where it's got to be tightened up a little. But then he Before, gets in with a hot booze breath and say, no, dude, LIBOR. Oh, my God. That's what it was. That's was it, it the LIBOR? Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, you're going to have to explain it to me another day. <laughs> like ne- like later. Never. <laughs> uh, what else is going on with you? How's, how's the move? It's interesting. I mean, we're, it's, uh, I think summer will be good because, you know, our families had a place here, Bethany Beach, uh, Delaware. Shout out to the Delaware Shore. Shout out to the starboard, my guy Monty up in Dewey. Uh, and my sense is, is that that'll be helpful for the fam, like the realization that you could go a couple hours east and be at the beach for however long. Because, I mean, you, you, you get that chunk of time off in the summer. And my hope is that that'll kind of make the idea of what this place is seem different. You know what I mean? Um, and we're really, we're, we're great. I'm grateful that we have like that option and where we live and because their families had a place there or whatever. Um, and cause it's just been weird. Like it's, I know it's still kind of what June's your finish line. The governor's like, everybody can go out and do what you want in the middle of June or something. If I read that right. Yeah. Probably July post free agency. So right. understood. But I mean, it's, things are okay here, but like there's places we were in Florida and it's like, kind of do what you want. <laughs> Um, we're, and there's pockets of the country here close to DC. I mean, it's still kind of slow to really feel wide open, but it's, you know, it's just, it's been a challenging year. You know, schools are, you move, kids move schools. You're trying to figure people out. Like you can't go to like a caps game. You couldn't go to Maryland games. Like just stuff I thought we'd do that'd be part of our, you know, the collateral of our lives hasn't happened yet, you know, but we're getting there. I mean, you know, mostly it's good. I think I'm making it sound worse than it is. It's been, it's been good. I just think it'll be a home run in the, when everything's kind of normal, whenever that is. 
Okay, we're gonna do some life advices with you before you have to run. All right. I I, I miss it. I miss that in mailbags. Let me I just know. say real quickly the the genius of Brasillo was never more on display than mailbags. Never. When 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 you named um, your sporting goods store sweats and balls. Yeah, people wanted in on that. Yeah, and they would dump, but I mean that was. We strung them along on dump. That never happened. But sweats. I was early on the sweat stuff because yeah. I started. I wore that one pair of fancy sweatpants. I go, something's going on here, and now it's just accepted. You wear that stuff to a nice dinner. <laughs> you really? We should. We should have opened sweats and balls, and then dumped out the back. We could have been probably on a beach somewhere. All right, what do you got for me? This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Okay. All right. Here we go. Um, we try to sift through these. I got a fake one in here that was so funny. I still almost read it, but I knew I knew it was fake. Okay. LifeAdviceRR at gmail.com. All right. Morning, guys. Big fan. 6'4", 34 years old. Cut like De Niro in Cape Fear. Oh, shout out to you. Remember when he was drowning? <laughs> he was yelling at him. That's De Niro drowning in Cape Fear. Thank you. Sorry. That was unbelievable. <laughs> okay, need your advice. This is a good one. You're going to like this one. Um, story starts 15 years ago back in college. Halloween 06. We had a solid eight-person crew back then. Four guys, four girls, all platonic, which seems impossible, by Never the way. Had. I don't know that I believe that. No chance. We were all dressed up, headed to a house party. Uh, on the walk over, one of my female friends mentioned she's invited her study partner from her class to join us at the party. We all get there. Party's raging. Everybody's already drunk. Just the usual Halloween shit. Out of the corner of my eye, I spot this slutty Betty Boop. Now, you're probably thinking, slutty Betty Boop. Trust me, it was nice. All right, first of all, we don't call, uh, we don't use that term on this podcast. Uh, aggressive. So to, to reference, yeah. Right. Very liberated in touch right, with her, right. how she felt. Betty Boop was ahead of her time. Yeah. Um, okay, so anyway, Betty starts walking over us. Uh, as it turns out, she's my friend's study partner. Out of nowhere, my buddy, let's call him Dave, leans in and whispers dibs into my ear now dibs is not cool either guys but oh six right right okay um i've always thought dibs was stupid and disrespectful all right our emailers on the side but i honored it for about 15 minutes dave completely strikes out and um betty was clearly feeling me long story short betty and i went home together dated for the next two years okay my buddy Dave never got over it. He was pissed for a few days, which I expected, but even months and years together, this guy would always mention it with a sour tone. It clearly 
bugged him and impacted our friendship. From my standpoint, I thought it was childish and demeaning to my then girlfriend, which, yeah, we, I think we're both on your side. I don't want to speak for you, Van Pelt, on this one, but, yeah. you know, you got to get over it. Yeah. All right. Life moves on. She and I break up junior year. Things started to get back to normal with Dave. Still, even after all these years later, he brings it up almost every time I see him, even though I've been happily married to my wife now for 10 years. Here's where I need your advice. Dave recently announced to our friend group via Zoom that he's engaged. We've heard him talk about his fiance in passing and know that she was a couple years behind us in school, but we had never met her before. During the Zoom, she pops on camera to say hello, and I felt this horrible sinking stomach uh, feeling in my stomach. I had a one-night stand with her back senior year. I could tell she also remembered based on her reaction to seeing me on camera. I shouldn't tell him, right? It would possibly or absolutely devastate him giving our history and ruin our friendship. Water under the bridge at the same time, I worry I'll regret not telling him before the wedding. I assume she hasn't told him either. I'm just not sure. What should I do? This is a complicated situation here. I think that the Betty Boop story was was shared to ex explain Dave's level of discomfort with, yes. with what happened. And given Dave's level of discomfort over Betty Boop, with whom you had nothing, the idea of spending your forever with someone that your buddy spent some time with, I don't know. I don't how he's this Dave guy is like a real good friend. Yeah, it sounds like it. But I, look, I think we go back to the beginning where Dave, Dave kind of hey, sucked. Yeah, Dave sucks. Like if Dave is going, I'm mad at you. Hey, if a girl doesn't like you, a girl doesn't like you. And you have to accept that maybe your this girl is going to like your friend more than you. And, it, you know, no one wants to feel like I someone else. You chose him over me. But, dude, you had 15 minutes at a Halloween party. It sounds like De Niro here is probably better looking than Dave. Right. So she crunches, went with him. Probably does that and, and, wheel. Probably does that wheel ab work where you do the wheel. Right. Those are hard. <laughs> it just feels like a peck tear waiting to happen as you get older. <laughs> yeah. So, so the fact that the backstory is established and it sounds like Dave isn't real rational about a lot of stuff. Now, I would, I would like to know, like, if I were engaged and Van Pelt had dated the woman I'm about to marry, that'd be information I'd like to know. Dated? I would like. <laughs> Didn't sound like it was a date. It sounds different than dating. Um, I don't know how you tell them. I don't, I don't think you tell them. No. I don't, right? I think you got to eat this one and just, you know, I don't know. This is, a, this is heavy. I wasn't, I, I, I thought it was something, I thought we were going to have some like dogs. I, I thought it could be one. like white belt and shoes. Kind of like, how do, can I wear a white belt? Or so, I thought we were going to get maybe into some of that. Like this is really, because I'm going to, I'm going to. Oh, it's heavy. It is heavy because. It gets heavy sometimes. And that's okay. But like, I, uh, I think Dave would really struggle with this news. And, but I, but it's yeah, like her, re her reaction, maybe she's going to have to tell him too. This is one where you, you got to figure out a way to circle around the back of Dave and just say, listen. It was no big deal. It was a long time ago. You got a life. I got a life. We're all happy. I'm thrilled for you. Let's just let's just keep on keeping on. You got to try to sort that out, don't you? True. But if I were to try to understand Dave's position here, um, I would not love it if like a guy in my wedding part party is is up there, you know, wow. oh, hands wait, in wait, front wait. of the hips. Oh, uh, we're standing there. If, well, he's, if you're standing with him, then you have, then you got to have a sit down. You're just sitting in the back. You can just sweat a lot and be like, this is kind of messed up. But So wait, you think you tell him if you're in the wedding? I'm not, I don't know if he's in the wedding party or not, but I had I had a moment in my life where there was something I was thinking about, and then I was like, I don't know. And then I go, hey, there's a good chance like one of the guys in your wedding party as your wife is being walked down the aisle is going to be like, I slept with Ursula's wife. Whoa. And I'd rather not have had that. 
Like I don't, I'm not super complicated. Some things I am, some things I'm, I'm not. Okay. That'd be something I just would prefer to avoid as a potential issue at some point. So if see, I were now, to you, ever get now, you, now you personalize this and now, now I'm, we're saying like, okay, now this is you and you're saying, okay, now one of your boys is standing there and like that. Yeah, that would be, that'd be tricky. That'd be a tricky one. Now, uh, the other calculation on this could be, hey, if this guy Dave's really happy, um, he's, Dave got mad he's about, found his one. Dave got mad about Betty Boop. And she didn't even like him. She didn't like him. She didn't know him. She didn't, didn't know, know him. He got 15 minutes with Betty Boop, and she was like, uh, no. After he said yeah. dibs, like she was the front seat in a car. That's not how that works. Yeah, the dibs. Oh, the dibs call was terrible. What? How old dibs. is this person that wrote this letter? Uh, they graduated in twenty six, so they're probably uh, two thousand six. So they're probably what thirty five, thirty six. Because I mean, you get mature, guys mature much later in life. Case in point, if at all. Yeah, case in point. It took me a long time to get there. So I think I'm viewing this through the mature lens of a happily married middle aged man and thinking, wow, I don't. I don't really like this situation for anybody because Dave sounds like he's going to be really bummed if he knows. But as you just personalized it, that'd be really a tough one to, to find out about after the fact. You stood there and, and didn't say anything to me and we just got, you know, right? Yeah, because then the other thing too is like, what if what if she's going to say something? But then it's like, okay, so maybe I should is that the emailer goes to the, the fiance and be like, hey, should we talk about this and come up with a plan? That's what I'm but saying. But the whole time, but if it ever happens, it's like Dave goes, wait, so my boy, who slept with my wife, then got together with my wife, and they came up with a plan to not tell me. So then I would, I would start going like... No, Dave, we talked... This was something that happened a long time ago when we were younger, and we didn't even know... You didn't even know him, and this is something, and it's not a thing, but we didn't... Some guy's going to have a hard time with it. Yeah, I, no, I understand that. Man, All right. I... All right. Let's do a cooking one. This one's Please, easier. Please, do, do something about like butter or, or like butter substitute. Something that this is, I got no fix for Dave. Wow. Okay, 65190, 6'9 wingspan. Here we go. How's your lateral That's foot a, speed? What are we, where are yeah. we going with this? This is Talon um, Horton, Tucker. Horton Tucker chiming in. His, you know his wingspan's like 7'1", right? Do you know that? I, I read it. And then oh, I saw okay. him play some it. and he was going to the Hall of Fame for like a couple games. Yeah. Right around the room. All right. My life is sweet. My girlfriend and I have been living together for two plus years. We're both big foodies and we were once uh, each very good cooks since moving in together. I've taken over 90% of the home cooking. This is primarily because she works longer hours. Uh, used to travel for work pre-pandemic, but also I love cooking more than she does. I really love it. And I've become very good. I brag about everything I do besides cooking because the cooking needs no bragging. Well, I guess this guy's not writing in, how do I improve my confidence? No. Um, she tells me to pursue it as a career. <laughs> this reminds me of the English office where, where the guy's sitting there with the IT guy and he's like, you ever been to Motocats? He's like, went once. He's like, are you a professional? I said, no, I'm not. He said, well, you should be. <laughs> All I can hear in my head, as soon as you said the British office is Sergio Giorgini. Those are the Sergio Giorgini. I just, he's Sergio like, who makes Giorgini. it? Sergio, Sergio Giorgini. He's so proud How of himself. How good is your base in that show? He's unbelievable. And I think the funny part is that there's there's something on the DVD, which I used to own, where they they help the English audience understand. There's 
there's probably five cultural references a show that none of us would ever understand. Like when he's making a joke about who his inspirations are, it's mm -hmm. some character from over there that I don't even know what the hell he's talking about. Right. And it's even funny. Like it's the kind of stuff that he's doing that, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily regret not growing up in London, right. but I do maybe for not getting the full scope of those jokes. West End. No, I don't. I don't know what's going on. I just know he's his ability to make you uncomfortable as a viewer is unparalleled. You just are like, oh my god, please, whatever. The, just change the scene. Change the scene. So wait. So what happened with the cooker, the professional? Okay. All right. Here we go. So he's he's decided at thirty five to not pursue it. Okay. Cool. Um, but he's a good cook. They're both in sales. All right. So the problem is is ten percent of the time that she does the cooking, she cannot. As in a complete, uh, as in is in completely incapable. No matter what scenario or how early she starts um, having food ready before ten thirty, she can't have food ready before ten thirty. So he basically is saying, no matter what, the dinner will start that late. I focus on getting decent amounts of sleep. Um, that is not important to her. She stays up working past three a.m. It's not uncommon uncommon for her to work through the night. She's a sales vampire. I also work out regularly. Shout out. She does not. I would like to eat before ten thirty. So that I'm not immediately going to sleep after dinner. We know that breaking down the proteins, some of the stuff. It's, it's uh, yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah, we understand the science there. Uh, because she cooks so rarely, she assumes each time she does it, a special occasion and each meal seems to be 250% of what two people would ever make. All right, so our portions are off too. This adds to the time needed. When these meals get more and more delayed, I've been told by her, I have a tendency to get hangry. It's the tendency. It sounds like you definitely are. Um, each time this happens, I tell myself to tell her 10 p.m. is my at-home dinner cutoff time moving forward, but I don't know how to do this without seeming like I'm insulting her or starting a fight. There's no way you can tell your girlfriend in the house, hey, dinner cutoff time is 10 p.m. without she. No one's ever going to be cool with hearing that. Um, I volunteer to help. However possible, but she turns that down and tells me to just relax and enjoy the night off from the kitchen. She knows I want to eat earlier, but like I said, she cannot achieve that no matter when she tries. I don't know how to say thank you, but this 11 p.m. and later dinners are ridiculous without her going on strike from cooking for months and also protesting my 8 p.m. dinners out of anger. She's great with everything, but she's come so self-conscious with cooking lately that only adds the delay and seems to add to my problem of how to address this. Does this guy live in Barcelona or should I say Barcelona? Because if he does, well, if, if you don't, he'd be okay with it then. Exactly. Because yeah. if you don't, then I'm on his side. That meals beginning at ten thirty. What are we? <laughs> what are we talking about? Who eats at ten? Like I get like there's like New York City crowds that go out later. Not LA. Well, West Coast is a much earlier kind of a deal. It shuts. Yeah, down everything's early. early here. Like Miami, uh, you go out in South Beach for dinner. I get a late dinner in Miami. Um, that there's a, it's a late starting kind of a deal down there. There's places regionally where I'm familiar with this. I don't know where this guy lives, but I don't care because again, this is the old guy viewing this through a lens of 10:30 at night, a meal beginning then. And I was starting to think about maybe you get yourself a plate of olives, get a, get a couple, have a nibble on an olive, right? That's nice. Something sort of little tang in the mouth, a little spicy something you nibble on, but like how many olives can you eat till 10:30? just a little cracker or something. I think 10, I don't think this is an unreasonable request. Like you don't have to get hostile, but you just say, look, you stay up till three. I don't. Can we eat like before, before the local news comes on? That's not, that's not unreasonable. I'm on this guy's side here, but I disagree. I disagree. I, I, I think, I think, look, I think at its surface, yes, it'd be nice if dinner were a little bit earlier, but his tone in that email tells me why this conversation is so complicated. Maybe like he's, he's strict. He sounds like he might be a little bit more like De Niro than just the rip part of this. Wait, this is the so, same guy. The De Niro rip yeah. guy was a 34 year old guy. Oh no, 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 no. 
I'm, yeah, no, that's right. I confuse the two. It doesn't matter, but this guy works out. He made that clear. But let's just imagine that, that she's making up, she's whipping up like a cacio e pepe it's at 11 and you're and it's sitting in your gut like a cannonball and you got to lay down? Come on. What are we doing? Like, that's too late to eat. But I just did the math. It's just, He said she does 10% of the cooking. Like, we're talking about maybe two days a month that you're dealing with this. Like, it's not that big a deal. Make it a Saturday. That's kind of where I go back to is that if she wants to do this for you and she's a good cook, so like, look, first of all, if you're a good cook, then you are kind of a control freak. All right. And I know that when I would cook, cause I look, I, I actually cooked in a restaurant for a little while, never made it to the line. Scott's seen the salt. Sure. Throw it down there. Olive salt oil. Bay. Who's that guy? A little reduction. Yeah. <laughs> a little reduction, a little balsamic. Uh, so the, the thing is, is that I didn't want anyone to help me. So when I was dating somebody seriously and she'd be like, hey, what can I do? And I'd be like, you can sit down with a glass of Sav and watch a TV show and just let me go. But what I didn't realize because I was younger is that she wanted to be part of it. All right. Uh, so you got to figure out be like, hey, okay, you can cut up the peppers and then don't be like, hey, you're cutting them wrong. You know, it's you're fucking cooking at home. All right. We, we don't we don't need Could you do that pepper perfect- shop where you do that, where you'd hold it, the pepper in one finger and go and do it like super fast. Yeah, I could do that, but I don't, you know, I can tell I, right away with your finger cut, placement right now, I right, can tell you'd right. be a disaster. When I cut a pepper, it looks like a horseshoe. It. It's a catastrophe. It's just, just willy-nilly pepper things everywhere. And I don't know if I'm supposed to cut out that inside part of it. So, but wait, if, yes. we, if we do it on a weekend, okay. But he, look, man, just, I don't know. You could go to 7-Eleven and grab a hot dog at like 6.30, just, you know. And then your stomach's going to be a little out of order anyway. And then by 10, you're probably like, oh, I'll have a few bites of this and we'll be good. I don't know. It's too Here's, here's what I think he should do. This late. is what he should do. Um, he, sh- he should appreciate that she wants to do this. And yes. she's trying to make it a special night. Yep. I don't think you should be such a control freak about this and, and, and lose your mind. But I had somebody once cook me meatballs and she didn't season the meat. No pepper, no salt. And she cooked a hundred of them, a hundred of them. And there was a tub, an army a, a WWII issued tub of meatballs in my in my fridge for a month because well, I felt chuck, bad. Just chuck them and when she, she left. Right. Well, she was around enough that she was going to notice that all of a sudden 40 meatballs weren't gone the next day. And she'd be like, well, this would be great. You can make them subs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just went, hey, we got to talk. I go, do you put any salt or pepper in the meat? Did she put I, raisin? Did she put raisins <laughs> in these meatballs, this woman? Um, so, and so she I go, you know, I go, there were wars over one of these ingredients, okay? Because it's that important to the meat part of the process, all right? So, like, salt's a big, big fucking deal historically. It is and really big. we, you need to understand <laughs> that there was a reason people were so pissed about it because yeah. it just made stuff better. And if you're going to cook anything with meat, you just got to throw a little salt on it. You, just, have, you have to, not a ton. I have but, to be honest with the listener here. I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with this story. I know who we're talking about here. I'm just, it's just the whole thing's a little, it's a lot. It's a lot for me. To she was a sweetheart yeah. about it. She yeah, was an yeah. absolute sweetheart about it. But I was like, and she was so excited that she made all these meatballs. And she's like, you know, you can have them for subs. And I was like, nope. Yeah. Well, and then I, you know, I'm eating them like, this is good. And you're just like, it's just a ball of meat. And it didn't taste, it didn't taste like anything. There's no egg. There's no breadcrumb. There's no garlic. There was no seasoning. There was yeah. no salt. There was no pepper. It was just hamburger meat in a ball and cooked. And some, and, uh, and some yeah. red sauce out of a can. Yeah, but she was she was doing her best. There you but go. I, All right. Here's what I think our guy should do. Our guy should decide because of portions and because of time, 
let me be your prep cook. That's my solution to this. He says to her, the nights you cook, I will be your prep cook. I will prep all the portions out. I will make sure everything so that everything is ready to go. You're basically her own version of Blue Apron. You're Love Blue it. Aproning her. Hey, what do you want to cook? You tell me what you want to cook. You can go buy if you want to, or I'll buy. But I will prep everything, and everything needs to be prepped and ready to go at 7 o'clock. So our cook time, 8, 8.30, a couple glasses of wine. And, we, hey, it's, it's a cuddle fest, and we're watching Netflix by 10 o'clock. Love it. We'll uh, pound the veal, get a little panko going, some seasonings, huh? There you go. I like but it. But don't panko too early. No, you got to wait. Otherwise, it's the whole thing falls apart. I don't even know. I, I totally winged that. I, I didn't know what that meant. Um, I felt I, like I had one other thing to ask you because you got to run, right? Got to go pick up my guy, but I can, whatever. Where is he going to go? He's three. Um, no, let me let you go because no, I don't I, want you to be. Is it, is it a quiet, is it, is it one of these? Because these get involved. Like we really got to work through these. No, I don't. You know what is, is a, this is a, just a life advice to the parents out there. My sister and I were talking about how our parents were always the last parents to pick us up all the time, no matter what, everything. I don't want, I don't want your boy to start with that. So it's, it's traumatic. Yeah, so but, see, let but, let me, but let me, all right. But I just so you know, like when I get him, the, what we do is we get, there's a gas station right next to it. And we stop there and we get an ice cream treat every day. And mom says, um, and maybe we don't get ice cream every day just for going to school. And I'm like, nah, you're right. I, we won't. And then when we stop, I'm like, like, let's just, this is just a dad and son thing. And then we run in the house. And the first thing is, daddy bought me ice cream. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, you got to work. So wait, so you're being told, do you think as an older dad, you're just like, I'm already, I don't care. I just, we're getting ice cream every day. hundred percent. hundred percent. I, I just, I just do. <laughs> I just, I just want him to like me a lot. So I'm just kind of like bribery <laughs> through treats. And it, plus I just, I've been away. Plus I was just away. I just got back. Like I might get him two today. I mean, he might be double fist and like a rocket, like a bomb pop and a strawberry eclair coming here. Doesn't want to eat lunch at all. It's just big ice cream hangover. That could happen. Uh, well, go get your kid and get some ice cream. You're I, the best. I, this is the, I, I'm hugging you from far, bro. The, 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 that takes me back to the uh, headspace of the old days and the, the mailbags and all the rest. And uh, I, I love it. And I miss it. Yeah, me too. Every day. All right. Yeah, talk to you soon. Appreciate you, man. Be good. See you. You can check out Scott on Sports Center. It's on ESPN. It's one of the important sports centers. So uh, check it out late at night. I think uh, 11 Eastern depends on kind of when. And by the way, I don't want anybody to feel like if you're on Sports Center on a different shift that it's not important because you're important, man. Whoever you are, you're important. That'll do it for us Wednesday and Friday this week. Get your life advice questions in and please subscribe. Spread the word uh, to the podcast. And as always, appreciate you listening and we'll check you out later this week. Yeah.